Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Nashville, it's time for Nashville Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Nashville Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, this will be a good one today, I promise you, because we're chatting with Jamie Cox, and Jamie is a brand strategist and designer. Jamie, welcome. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure. Hey, let's talk about you and how you're serving folks. Tell us a little bit about your practice. Yeah, so um, I started freelancing as a brand strategist and designer in uh, the middle of the pandemic in 2020, or what I thought was the middle of the pandemic, um, but it just kept going. (laughs) So I stuck with it. Um, So I've been doing this for um, professionally for over 10 years, but on my own for about um, three years now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I work one-on-one with business owners to help them build their brand, find their voice and connect with their target audience. So um, I work one-on-one with usually um, solopreneurs or small business startups that are looking to scale to kind of find their niche and find their brand why, what makes them tick, why they do what they do, and how to convey that to their audience to um, you know, pull more people in um, and grow their business. Tell us a little bit about your background. And I guess what, what really, first of all, what pulled you into branding and and yes. what why that uh, lights your fire, I guess, as it were, Jamie. Yes, I feel like um, it's actually something that would probably annoy a lot of people, but I, you know, play play to you know use it to my advantage. Um, <laughs> I have always um, asked a lot of questions and tried to dig a little bit deeper than surface level with any relationship I have, um, and so. Anyway, rewind. Um, So I actually went to school thinking I was going to do music business. Um, So I started an art management program. I'm from Indiana originally. Went to IU, went about halfway through this art management program focused in music, thinking I'm going to be a record producer, I guess is what I thought. Um, (laughs) And I, about halfway through the program, I was like, I do not like this at all, but I didn't want to throw everything out. I had always had an interest in design and art. Um, I'd always loved to create. So I just shifted my focus to studio art um, and was more focused on the nonprofit sector and marketing for nonprofits, um, museums, symphonies, any sort of that like traditional art space. Mm -hmm. Um, So after school, I moved to Nashville um, and got a job at a marketing agency. And it was fine. Um, It was, like I said, that kind of more surface level, like this client needs you to do that. And I wasn't able to ask those questions that I wanted to. So I moved into tourism where a super it's just a super fun space. I had a lot of flexibility. I worked for um, the Williamson County Convention and Visitors Bureau here in Tennessee um, for about five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I worked on the marketing team as um, started as a marketing coordinator and then moved into a creative services role. So I had kind of seen all of the marketing pieces happening and I was facilitating those, um, the projects from start to finish. So seeing all of those connections happen really just um, sparked something in me. And I was able to dig deeper and um, explore what made Franklin, Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee, and made it so special for so many people, whether they were locals or visitors. So um, I was there for five years and just felt like it was time for a change. I went back to the agency world and 
I knowing that I wanted to start my own business. Um, and I know I, I knew I needed some more experience in that client relationship space. So I did that um, in mostly the business to business space, a lot of service-based businesses. And then, like I said, when the pandemic hit, it was, it was like not really the opportune time, but it was just like, this is the time to take more time for myself. Mm. Um, so I started my business then um, and have really been able to grow from there and like play into that part of me that just wants to know, why do you do that? Why? How'd you get here? Like learning people's stories and then learning to, or telling those stories has really just been a great fit for me. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, that must've taken a lot of courage to, for the pandemic to hit and for you to think it's, I'm not ready or I, this is not the time or whatever was going through your head. Um, but you had misgivings, let's put it like that. And, but you went ahead. I mean, talk, yes. let's give some advice to people that are in that frame of mind I and mean, how you did what you did. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend what I did to other people. <laughs> I just, I just know myself and I trust myself more than I trust anybody else. Um, so I had always had kind of, I always knew that I wanted to do something on my own. I've just always kind of gone my own way, carved my own path. Um, so I think that's always been lingering in my mind, but not having a backup plan really motivated me. So before I always had my full-time work, my salary job, my health insurance to kind of push me to do this self-employed stuff on the side. Well, when I left that, it was like, it's go time. It's now or never. This is my shot. So, um, and I, I gave myself a timeline. I said, okay, if I, you know, in six ish months, if things aren't working out the way I hope they would, or, you know, I'm really struggling or I'm not like struggling financially, struggling emotionally, you know, it's stressful, then maybe it's not for me. Um, so I gave myself that time. I worked really hard during that time. Um, I asked for a lot of help. I just kind of, you know, knew that my friends, my connections, my family, my former coworkers all supported me. So asking for help when I needed it was really important. Um, and so, yeah, I think asking for help is probably the best advice I could give, but maybe don't quit, quit your job on the fly. <laughs> I'm a little impulsive in that way. <laughs> Well, well, so you burn the ships, as it were, I guess, as, as that old saying goes. Um, but it's worked uh, for you. I mean, how do, how do you uh, judge the reasons for your success? I mean, because we we were in the pandemic, did you just see a lot of other folks that had started their own business that needed that branding help, and that and that real it really was good timing for you after all. Yes. Yeah. I think I saw a lot of people that were in similar situations to me as me that were just like, I need a change. I need something for myself. Who knows what the world holds? This is time. Um, so I was able to plug in to a lot of different digital groups in that time. So there's a group in Nashville called Startup Nashville. Um, I met a lot of people through there who were just willing to make introductions or they were saying, hey, I'm working on this project. I'd love to talk to you. And I always came into all of those conversations, not really expecting uh, any sort of business to come from it, but just more so using that time to feed that social part of me that I wasn't getting when I was at home. Um, but I mean, just 
going in with an open mind and willing to share and also willing to listen, I think helped me tremendously in growing my connections, um, which in turn grew my business. So you mentioned solopreneurs are a big uh, segment for you, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about brand strategy generally, but for a solopreneur and just what that looks like. Yeah. So I'd say when I work with one-on-one with a solopreneur, um, they are in, there's a few different situations I usually see. Um, the first is it is truly just them. The second, it is them and they maybe have contracted with some various people to help them get where they are. Um, the number one question I get from people who are running their business themselves is um, if they're, if their face isn't their business, like if they aren't an influencer, for example, um, is how do I separate myself from my brand? So maybe they own a business and they want to eventually write a book as themselves. So how to brand themselves separately from branding their business, but still incorporate themselves into the story of how their business came to be. Because we know people buy from people, not, you know, faceless businesses. So Mm -hmm. that's um, the biggest question I get and kind of the biggest hurdle that I think a lot of business owners have to overcome, um, me included. (laughs) My business is my name. And sometimes it's hard to separate all the things I'm interested in um, from my business and also separate my personal life from my business. When, you know, I'm Jamie Cox, brand strategist, I'm also Jamie Cox, a lot of other things. So Anyway, working with solopreneurs on that um, in particular has been, um, I think, eye-opening for me, eye-opening for them, um, and then also just figuring out, helping them understand how to outsource things that they, you know, a lot of people are trying to do it themselves. Um, and that's not always the best approach because there's somebody out there who can do it more efficiently. So you're spending less time. So for example, building a website, I see a lot of people try to do that themselves. They're not an expert. They just, you know, they might know enough to be dangerous Mm -hmm. um, and it's gotten them this far, but hiring somebody else to do that, for example, is going to be a lot more efficient and they'll also have an unbiased perspective towards your business and be able to guide you a little bit more toward what your audience wants, not what you personally want. (laughs) Yeah. the, the, your biggest competition is the do-it-yourselfer, I guess, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, respect for the do-it-yourselfer. Right. Um, but and I, I think we all get to a point in our lives, in our business, when we're just like, I don't want to spend time doing X, Y, and Z. Like, it's driving me nuts. So, I mean, I personally have been in that situation where I'm like, I'm not the best person to do this for myself. Who can help me? Well, in... I would think that's particularly important to engage someone one like you for branding because you really need that third party perspective, that independent perspective. I mean, this is not like bookkeeping or something like that if you're yes. doing your own books, right? I mean, this is this is really important. This is your face to the world, right? Uh, how you present yourself and your business to the world. Talk about that. Right. Yeah. So, um Yeah, it's really important, I think, to have an unbiased perspective when it comes to marketing your business, because I think it's really easy to say, I'm the best at this. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. I mean, I think you're great at it too, 
but there's other to acknowledge that you have competition in the market that is doing something similar or going after the same customer is really important. And just putting your blinders up to that is eventually going to be your demise. So um, anyway, working for working kind of at an unbiased perspective to build a brand, I actually approach projects from a messaging perspective first. So how are we telling your story? And then with my design background, I marry that with the actual identity. So brand identity, logo, icons, colors, typography, all of that, how those elements are also telling that brand story that we've developed. Um, and that's when that personal opinion becomes really strong. And we kind of have to break through some walls there. You know, somebody might be like, oh, I don't like the color orange because I hate Tennessee. Okay. <laughs> we, but but based on your brand, we know your brand is vibrant and bold and, you know, breaks the mold. Right. So orange is a great, bright color that's going to show that to your customers in a kind of subconscious way. So learning to communicate that and marrying that um, marketing background with the visual interest and the creativity that I have has been really fun. Let's talk about services, folks. For example, those folks that their factory floor is between their ears and <laughs> right. And, yes. but, and, and that I, I guess they're, they're tied up and rightly so because they're brilliant people. They're tied up in thinking that maybe it's all about what I know. Right. And mm -hmm. how do you communicate with them that it's really something more than that, that branding is something more than what you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, I like to ask people when I start working with them, what are some brands or businesses that they gravitate to? Um, and, you know, a lot of people say Nike, Peloton, whatever it is. And I always ask why, um, again, back to that question of why, and nobody's ever talking about, oh, they, Peloton knows everything about fitness and I want to know everything about it. Nobody's ever saying that. They're saying something like, I really thrive when I'm riding with this X, Y, and the instructor, they have a way in like motivating me that I didn't know I could be motivated. Mm. And that's that emotional response that everybody has toward brands. And so I think getting people that own businesses in service, whether it's service-based or product-based to realize the emotional connection and the emotional investment they have in brands they're interested in kind of flips the table for them to see, oh, people need that emotional emotional connection with my brand as well. I love that example. That, that really makes a lot of sense. So, um, well, uh, you really gave a preview of the, uh, my, what my next question is, but talk about how you, uh, uh, an engagement with, well, maybe just before we get to engagement, let's talk about a conversation with you. How, how does that unfold and what do folks need to bring to the table um, to get at what's going to be successful for them. Yeah. Um, so I have, uh, I think people approach problems in different ways. Some people approach, approach problems with a problem and they say, this is what I'm running into. Other people approach problems with a solution and say, this is what I need. Um, I find the best work comes from people that ap approach it as a problem and say, I don't know what the solution is, or I have a few ideas about what the solution is, but I'd love to talk, to talk through those ideas. So I typically start any sort of project with um, an introduction meeting where I'm asking questions about their business surface level, sort of like, what do you do? 
How long have you been doing it? What problems are you seeing? Why are you looking to work with somebody like me? Um, and that kind of opens the door for if they are saying, well, here's you know some issues that we've had, or here's what we're trying to do and we just can't seem to get there. Um, so people that approach um, any project with an open mind seems to be the most successful. I think uh, a lot of people are like, oh, I, I just need this one thing and my business is going to be like, you know, sky high. And that's not necessarily true because it might not be the actual thing they need because they haven't done the research to understand uh, what their customer actually wants. So open mind, I'd say is the best, uh, the best way to approach a conversation. And that's how every project starts is with that introduction and just kind of me getting to know you. Do you find that sometimes when you work with a client, their idea of their ideal client or their avatar, I guess, is that say, is that uh, term goes changes that they, they, they really have been going after the wrong market. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people like to, a lot of business owners, people in general like to think they are for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not the case. They're not. Um, so usually I see people, think they're for everyone and they niche down to, okay, actually our target audience is between the age of 30 and 40. They make this much money. They live in this region. Um, they like these things. Um, whereas, you know, you might have services that ap- appeal to everyone, but the bulk of your audience is going to be in a specific demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you have some outliers, I mean, that's just statistics. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, folks were here chatting with Jamie Cox and she has her own, a uh, brand strategy and design firm. Uh, let's talk about content creation. Speaking of do-it-yourselfers, let's talk about contra- content creation and what makes for, first of all, why it's important and what what makes for successful content creation. Yeah. Um, so if you think about the content that you're consuming, whether that's on Instagram, LinkedIn, just kind of scrolling through, um, through the internet. Uh, I just said getting lost in the internet, going down a rabbit hole, um, the way the things you gravitate towards. So typically businesses are pulling you in rather push rather than pushing you to buy something. So content creation is really important because it's that top of the funnel. So the first time somebody interacts with your brand, the chances of them either buying your product, utilizing their services, if they've just stumbled upon your website and they're there for 10 seconds, the chances of conversion are probably pretty low. So instead creating content that will pull them in to want to know more about you and knowing that you do have a funnel, a lead funnel where, you know, there's the top of the lead funnel where people it's that brand awareness there's kind of the second hit of that brand awareness, eventually moving down to that conversion. So that content creation is the top. It, it's, it applies to the top of the brand funnel where people are finding you, learning your story, learning more about your services and how you're different from your competitors, why they should work with you. Um, so whether you're creating content um, for social media or um, writing blogs and that's stuff that we dig into based on your audience. So where is your audience? That's where you need to focus creating your content. Um, And then as far as creating content, understanding your voice and how you say what you say is really important. So you can tap into that emotional part of your customers. Um, And then visually, 
with certain platforms, most platforms now are super visually visual focused. So working with a professional designer to create content that's going to, you know, pair well with whatever your message is and draw people in, um, whether it's through an ad or just an organic post, um, it's really important to remain consistent. So, um, yeah, focusing on voice, focusing on visual identity, um, focusing on that target audience and remaining consistent across the board when you're creating content and just consistently creating content is really important. And uh, I guess part of it too is having the right platform too, right? Because not all social media platforms are created equal. Right. And your target audience might not be on some platforms. I think a lot of people, um, there, there's a saying in part of my language, it's, uh, <laughs> I would rather uh, full ass one thing than half ass a bunch of things. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so focusing, if you are personally, I see this a lot with solopreneurs again, is um, if they are doing their social media, they don't, maybe don't have the budget or they just like to do it rather than spreading themselves thin across a bunch of channels that aren't converting, focusing really you know, all of their energy on one channel um, and producing content in that space until, at least until they get kind of a process down with that, where it's going, you know, smoothly, easily, they can quickly create content because they have all those elements they need, then expanding into other channels. Um, it's, I, I believe, the best approach for creating content rather than putting stuff that's so, so out on, you know, eight channels a day. It's just kind of speaking into a void at that point. Yeah, so uh pardon my way of putting it, but it, it's it's really it's really a little bass backwards, right? I mean, yes. right? <laughs> so <laughs> so and I, and I guess what where where I'm going with that is that um people focus on blanketing I need to blanket the world and what they forget and I'm I'm referring to you solopreneurs is that they don't realize or don't think about the fact they really don't need that much business to move the meter in their business. I mean, they don't need, they need a handful of clients every year to make their business grow nicely as much as they can handle. Right. And and so doing one, one channel or one platform really well can fulfill that uh, need. Yeah. And I think it's really important to, to think about your customer's journey in the content space. So for example, if you are, if you decide Instagram's your channel, you're great at posting, but then you don't really have anywhere for that audience to convert. So you don't have, you're not driving traffic back to your website. You don't have an email listed. Then you're really just posting content to post content because nobody knows how to reach you or how to utilize your services. So it's thinking a little bit beyond, you know, here's my one channel but how am I converting them to? So thinking again, further down that funnel and you might have different funnels for different channels too, as you expand, but you are totally right to not canvas everything. I think some people just get burnout on seeing you honestly after a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I can't believe they, I can't believe people would think that. Uh, I, Jamie Cox is with us folks and she's a brand strategist and designer. Uh, so Jamie, Let's talk about ideal clients for you. Uh, you mentioned solopreneurs, or is, is that still in play for you? And talk about uh, th- those that are great fits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mostly 
I love, I love working with solopreneurs. So I try to stay in that market. I do work with um, some smaller startup that might be one or two founders who are looking to grow. So it's still that kind of one-on-one connection um, or one-on-two connection in some cases. Um, so usually solopreneurs in the service space. Um, so usually um, consumer services. So they're providing a service, whether that's locally or um, online to you know, the entire world. So usually service-based businesses. I also, I have a very special place in my heart for package design. So I have done a lot of product-based um, like consumer package goods work as well. Um, and really just um, anybody that is a small business looking to kind of revamp the way they've been doing things. Um, I found that as I work with service-based businesses, they're like, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. And And it just opens a door into a new market that I hadn't even thought of before. Um, So I never want to close myself off to any sort of industry. I think with such a like wild gamut of people I've worked with in my background in tourism and agencies, it's hard for me to say, no, I don't work in that space. Um, But that to say solopreneurs, service-based businesses, it's kind of my bread and butter right now. Well, the great thing about solopreneurs is you know who the decision maker is, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to figure that out. So that's good. Um, well, let's, I would love it, uh, Jamie, if you would talk about a success story or two. And if, if mentioning names is not appropriate, that's fine. But just as an example of the great work you do. Yeah. Um, so I have, um, I've worked with a lot of clients over the short time that I've been kind of um, doing this on my own. Uh, and it's funny to kind of rack my brain and go through the history of everybody I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, I say yes to projects that I'm interested in that I think will be a good fit and will be successful. So um, not to say everything is a success story, like a true success story, but we do see a lot of positive results for a lot of my clients. So in the service-based space, um, I have one client who I've worked with for over um, a year and a half who was just looking to expand their online presence and grow their business. And with the um, eventual outcome to sell the business and retire. So we have been able to position them um, to grow their social presence by, again, focusing in on those key markets and connecting directly with their audience to speak with to their audience about those problems that they have arising each and every day um, and how they can solve this service provider can solve those problems. Um, So we've been able to grow um, their Instagram following by, I think like 500 people who are actively engaged. It's not like bots that are just liking stuff. So actively engaged um, customers, they're, We've also increased their um, impressions to over 15,000 a month, which is great for a small business provider that is providing a service locally too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a super niche service. Um, so that's been one success story and just kind of building, um, helping them to get out of the marketing part so they can focus on providing a better service. They've grown their business to have to outsource some of their um, their services to other contractors, which is great because it's slowly removing them from the business to the point where they will be able to sell it. Additionally, I actually did a collaborative project last year and it was super fun because I got to step out of the brand strategy role and work with another brand strategist. So they had actually worked with, um, it was a jewelry jewelry maker in town 
um, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And this brand strategist had worked with them to come up with that brand positioning, which is normally what I do. And then this brand strategist reached out to me and said, I would love to for you to handle the brand identity. I have a calligrapher working on the actual logo project. So you, you'll run creative direction, taking my brand strategy and implementing it into the real world. Mm. So I got to do a ton of fun design for that, which is something that I felt like I had taken a little bit of a step back from, but I got to do um, like a whole brand piece. So logo icons, um, typography, color palette, all of that, and then implement it in both the digital space through um, web design. I consulted on their, their website design project with another contractor um, I also um, designed all of their packaging. So when they ship something to somebody in California who's ordered a piece of custom jewelry, they have this really cool setup that is a true experience when their customer opens that piece. It's more than just the jewelry inside. It's these little tiny touches that make it feel really special and personal. Um, so that was a really fun project. I'm looking forward in the future as I grow to collaborate with more people um, in all sorts of spaces and just kind of, it's, it's nice to work with other people after you've worked alone for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's nice to have the freedom to be able to zig and zag as you wish. Right. And that's really what you've got. Yes. And that's what I've wanted from the beginning of my career is just the freedom to uh, call the shots. Okay. Now I've got to ask the most important question. You teach spin classes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so you didn't know I was going to go there, did you? Uh, I didn't. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so why is, why is a spin class the best form of fitness that someone can take? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I see it as way more than a form of fitness. I actually found spin um, in a time when I didn't really know I needed it. Um, I had dealt with a lot of grief in my personal life and just did not know how to process it. Mm-hmm. So I found this studio here locally in Nashville. Um, it, it's called Verticity. Um, it's not where I teach, but it's where I learned to ride and where I kind of fell in love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, uh, it's great because it is a dark room nobody knows what you're going through and you are just truly putting one foot in front of another, not going anywhere. And it's just like, this is what I'm doing for an hour. And it is my time to do that. The instructors, if you find a great instructor, they motivate you in a way that you maybe didn't know that you needed. They give you, they give you the space that you need to do whatever it is, whether that's you're there to sweat or you're there to cry and think about something. Sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So that's why it's been great for me. So last July in July of 2021, um, I decided to pursue just kind of doing coach training to see if I liked it. I wanted to deepen my practice and tap into that coaching mentality. Right. Um, I thought it would, I didn't really know what I would get out of it. I was like, I don't really know if I want to teach what I got out of it was a whole new perspective on my business though, too, because it was like, Oh, I am in some ways a coach to business owners. And this is how I can pull stuff out of them that I didn't know how to before. So this is how I can motivate them to take the next step and encourage them to pursue that thing that they maybe are hesitant about. Um, So that was kind of what happened when I did spin instructor training. And then um, this January, I uh, started teaching at a studio in Nashville called Crank Fit. Mm -hmm. Um, We do spin classes, hit classes, all sorts of stuff. But for me, it's really just about um, 
being in a room with people who are excited to focus on themselves and, you know, cheer each other on, um, love a good playlist. So I'm mostly there for the dance party, but if you ever want to just come sweat and have a good time, that's what spin is. (laughs) I love it. Uh, that's terrific. Jamie Cox folks, uh, Jamie, this has been fun and informative, the best combination there is. So, uh, but let's get to the most important question, which is for those that have heard something that makes them want to reach out and connect with you. How can they do that? Yeah. So you can find my work at Jamie, com. Um, so I talk more about my work. I have a blog there as well with some resources. Um, I also have a free resource for business owners who are kind of trying to figure out why they do what they do. It's called Write Your Way to Why. It is a free um, five-day course that they will write journal prompts and discover why they do what they do. Um, and you can also reach me at my email. It's hello at jamierrcox.com. And you can find me on Instagram at jmerrcox. Terrific. Jamie Cox, folks. Jamie, this has been fun. And Thank inf- you so much for having me. This yeah, has been fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder, you can find Nashville Business Radio on all the major podcast apps. And you can also... Just do it. I guess. I guess this is the old-fashioned way. Just go going to NashvilleBusinessRadioX.com, and you can find our show archive. And we, if you're not su- subscribed to the show, we love it if you would do that, and we appreciate uh, your support. So, for my guest Jamie Cox, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Nashville Business Radio.